Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today on the show I'm joined by Ronan McCann, aka Carried by Waves, who's just released his second album, Reso- Resonate? Resolute. Resolute. Ah, Resonate is the name <laughs> of the first this, song. This is causing Resonation Day is the name of the first track. And it's funny because I never thought of it until I put out the album, but it's already causing confusion because the, the album's called Resolute and the first song's called Resonation Day. So people are already going, oh, your Resonation album. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what have I done? But, you know. Just got to be resolute about it. I just got to be resolute and just get take, on with take it. Take it on the chin. Yeah. So it's um, July 2012 was when you released your debut album, Softly Held Together. Mm-hmm. So four years in between and you've now released the album. Is it kind of a relief to get it out in the world? Man, it's such a relief. Like it's been, you know, I, my intention was actually originally I wanted to record an album a year. Right, so I, I I I was like I'd released a couple of EPs before the first album, and then I was like, yeah, yeah. By the time I'm 35, I'm gonna have five albums under my belt. That was the ambition, you know. But that went totally out the window. Like, uh, I think about year, two years after the first album, uh, I released a single, and I was like, this is the first single from the second album, and people were like. Um, I remember you did a little piece on it and, you know, people were like, oh, new album's coming soon and <laughs> all this. And then it was another year and a half or whatever it was till the second one got finished. And that song's on the second album as well. Uh, the third track, isn't it? Yeah, the third track. It's been slightly edited and remixed and remastered as well. But um, it's basically the same song. But um, yeah, it just, it, it just turned into this thing where with college and different things, different side projects. I joined another band, Partisan Crowds, and that was really fun and I was enjoying that. So the album just kind of got kind of, I just work on worked on it intermittently, you know what I mean? Just every now and again I dip into it. But it is, just to answer your question, it is a really huge relief to finally finish it because now I can move on and do new stuff, you know. <laughs> Release a new album next year. Yeah, well, you know what? I actually... I actually. Well, let's get it on tape. That yeah, you're gonna. Well, to be honest, I intend to have something out before the end of the year. It might not necessarily be an album, but it might be an EP. And the reason why is because I'm doing music for my thesis for my college thesis, so I have to do 20 minutes of music, and that has to be finished by August. So there you go. Like, I mean, I've got a deadline that I have to work to, um, and the whole th- my whole thesis is going to be based on sort of lessons I've learned from making the last album and about. Um, putting constraints on yourself creative constraints in order to improve your productivity and your the kind of music you make and stuff like that because sometimes working quickly and being spontaneous and putting restrictions on yourself like time restrictions or track count restrictions or whatever can actually i think be a good thing you know and the problem with working on your own uh in a studio is that you just uh you work things to death and you overanalyze things you know what i mean and I'm still happy with how the album turned out, but it, I was thinking it really shouldn't have taken that long. You know yeah. what I mean? So like uh, putting restraints on yourself, like how how would that have helped you like with this album or something? Like is is did some of the tracks just kind of get out of control? They were just kind of like, um, it always reminds me of a story that I heard. Um, the guy, I can't remember his name, he engineered Thriller. And he was talking about they did 90-something mixes, different mixes of Billie Jean. And on mix 92 or something, they brought Quincy Jones came in and he said, they said, we got it. We've got the mix. We'll hear this. And they played a mix 92 or whatever. And he listened. And then he, Quincy Jones said, right, play me mix number two. 
So they dug out the tape or whatever and put it on. And he said, and they all knew straight away, they're like, that's the one. That's the mix. And that's the one that went on the record. So the reason why I mentioned that is because I did several different versions and mixes of the songs that are on there. Like the first track, Resonation Day, was mixed and remixed 10 times or something like that. You know what I mean? And it I don't know, but it probably was done ages ago. You know what I mean? But you're terrified of... You, you know, you doubt yourself and you just keep working on things and changing things. And that's why it's good to have somebody else. That's a, that's a force that comes in that goes like, leave it alone. It's finished or just tweak this and it's done, you know? So I think what the main difference would have been, the music would have been different. I don't know how different, but it would have been different and it would have been finished a lot sooner. You could have just done a Kanye with it and just like put the album out and then just tweet the songs as, as oh, yeah. you know, it kind of goes along. That's what he's done with uh, The Life of Pablo. Yeah. I kind of think that's an interesting approach, to be honest. Yeah. Um, his personality aside. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's kind of, I, I had this idea a while ago of now that we live in the digital kind of age where people don't really listen to albums as much anymore and things like that. Um you know, and people skip around in tracks or they only listen to the first three tracks. I was going to, I actually kind of did do this with EPs before where I'd put them up on Bandcamp or whatever and they'd have a track order. And then every now and again, I'd go in and just mix up the track order. Or I would remix one of the songs and edit it, do a remix of it and put it up, but not tell anybody. So for instance, there was three or four versions of a song. People were like, oh, you know that song? And they go, that's not how I remember it. And you're like, that's because this is a different version. But I didn't advertise it, if you like, yeah. as a different version. Or And you swap up the, the you know, the, the order just so then everything gets a bit of a, gets a bit of the spotlight. You know what I mean? Okay. That's interesting. You know, so I don't, I don't know if I'm going to do that with this album. I might do it on Bandcamp or something, but as regards the iTunes and all that, they already have it up. <laughs> you can't go in and say, I want to change the order, you know. Um, so. Uh, so so, do you kind of see it as an album or do you just see it as more of a kind of just a collection of songs sort of thing? Like, I don't know. I think that maybe people don't see the albums like that mm. nowadays, like one fluid yeah. flow of songs that I work think, well together. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and, and, and it's kind of sad in a way that that isn't the case, you know, anymore because albums, you know yourself, like when you used to listen to albums and they had a, a certain flow to them and everything mm. like that. So I think it's a bit from column A and a bit from column B because in a way they stand, I think nearly every song on the album could be, this might sound a bit, I don't know, ambitious or whatever, but it could be a single in a way. Um, So that's kind of what, it's kind of like an album of singles in a way because each one's got a uh, catchy chorus and things like that. Well, I think so anyway. Um, and so in a way, they stand alone as tracks, but the thing that ties them together is their hook-based kind of thing. Um, so it, it it doesn't necessarily flow like an album, like, I don't know, um, Purple Rain, for example. <laughs> um you know, where the songs all run into each other and there's sort of like lulls and then moments of huge excitement and stuff like that. But in a sense, I've tried to maintain a little bit of that, but I'm I'm very aware of the fact that people are very track-based nowadays, including myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some, you know the way you could say, I'm into this band or that band, and you might have only heard a few songs from them. Back in the day, you wouldn't be into a band unless you'd heard all their albums. You know what I mean? Now you can be into a band who you like two songs of. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, and so like, 
would you kind of be like we're sitting in your studio in your house at the moment and there's just kind of gear everywhere <laughs> yeah uh like guitars and all the tech stuff and like would you be kind of the archetypal kind of bedroom producer you know you probably hate that term bedroom producer just kind of like just spending hours and hours in here just um yeah well um no, i don't think it's a bad term or anything uh I just think that you need to be careful as a bedroom, even though it's technically my living room, but but like, you know, bedroom, <laughs> bedroom, producer. I do sleep in here sometimes, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you just have to be, you can be a bedroom producer. And I think I started making the music that I wanted to make when I moved away from playing, you know, I played in bands and it was all cool and everything, but going, to, being in a band and booking a studio and only having a certain amount of time and you're never really fully and fully realize the kind of thing you want to do whereas you can do that in a in a bedroom producer kind of thing but you do need to be very careful because you like i said earlier you can get you can overanalyze you can overwork you know you've got this devil on your shoulder saying like you know like this is shit <laughs> and then you got the and then one minute you think it's brilliant next minute you think it's shit so you need to be aware of bringing other people in to listen who you trust and you 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 respect their opinion and you know they're going to give you a straight opinion that isn't overly biased either way, you know, things like that. So I think that, and and to answer your question about how long I'd spend in here, I used to spend hours and hours and hours working on music, like, you know, it would just fly by and it'd be five in the morning and you're still working on music. But to be honest, my priorities have shifted around a little bit nowadays. And because the album wasn't out for ages, I was just concentrating work and college and things like that um, and working with other people. And now I only work in small snap snapshots, kind of, you know. Uh, but this summer I have to write music, so I probably will try and throw myself into it 100%. But it, it's very draining. Like, it's hard to, to sit and concentrate on music for a very, for me, for a very long periods of time, you know. The own, uh, your own music that you're creating? Yeah, yeah. I think I can only work for like, I can work intensely for like, 20 to 25 minutes and then I have to take a break for like a half an hour and then I come back and, and do a little bit more and I just keep coming back and back to it all the time but because you go through such a roller coaster of emotions making music like one minute you think it's the bee's knees you're like you know and then literally within a few minutes you're like what was I thinking yeah and then it goes up and down up and down so that itself can be very draining so for me I have to keep going away from it and coming back to it Is that when you've kind of got a song already done or is it just kind of when you're actually creating the idea of a song you're trying to expand on the idea of a song when you're actually writing it rather than yeah. kind of putting it together well you see the way i write is um i don't set down to go right i'm going to write a song about this or i'm gonna you know i don't sit, sometimes i'll sit down and try and come up with a couple of chords on a guitar but it's very much just open up the computer fire up whatever logic and just just start making sounds you know what I mean? You don't have any idea of where you're going to go with it. And it's just a constant, it, it, the songs evolve rather than being written. You know what I mean? You just chip away at them. Like you go in and if something sticks out, you, you put down loads of ideas. And then if you go in and something sticks out to you and says, I don't belong here, you get rid of it. Or if you hear something, you go, oh, I can hear a, I don't know, such and such an instrument on it or whatever. Then you go and try and find that. But if that, if the journey to finding that sound leads you in another direction, then you just go with it. So you sort of just chisel away at it, like changing little things and putting extra bits in. And like, I might have like five different vocal melodies for a chorus and then I'll come back every now and again, listen, go, no, I don't like that one. No. And then eventually one of those might become a backing vocal while the other one becomes the lead vocal or things like that, you know. 
But there's no sort of very like, oh, the song's written, now I'm going to record the song, now I'm going to mix the song. It's all at the same time. Everything's happening at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so how important are lyrics? Are they kind of almost secondary to it all? Because they, they wouldn't come first. You wouldn't build a song around the lyrics, would you? No, so sometimes nowadays. Like this album is actually way more lyrical than the first album. The vocals are very pushed forward. You can't hear them crystal clear. I always like to leave a little bit of murkiness in there, but it was a very lyric-based album because I've always been very self-conscious about lyrics, so I decided to do the to, to do what scares me and actually put them out there. So lyrics were a very important part. And sometimes, like, this, basically the process, is, the process isn't the same every time. It could start with a drum beat and then you could build a song and then you decide, right, well, I better put vocals on this or I better put lyrics. But by the same token... When I decide to do that, I have like little notebooks and things and I just turn around and I flick through them and I go, oh, that line's not too bad. So I'll, you know what I mean? I'll have a, a sort of a, a filing cabinet of lyrics to decide and then I'll have a piece of music and I'll go, right, what might fit with that? And you go through it, kind of like the way going through drum loops or going through synth sounds, you go through your file of lyrics. And then from that, you, you might find a lyric that, that sort of suits the sound of the song. And then you start to sort of vocalize that lyric over it and then expand on that. It's, it'll start with one line and then you'll, you know, you'll have one line in a notebook and then you'll expand on that. You know what I mean? Does okay. that make sense? Yep. And, and so like, do you just kind of keep the notebook with you all the time? Like you're always just kind of making mm. notes of your own, like if you come up with a melody or something, do you record it into your phone? And if you come up with like a good, a good lyric, you just write it down and... Well, kind of like that. Um... I'm not one of these people who carries, I just write it in my if, in my phone or something yeah. like that and then I'll transfer it later. But I don't really sit down and go, all right, I'm going to write lyrics. Basically, I could be just doing the dishes and something comes into it. I find that when you listen to other music, lyrics come into your head. When you listen to other people you like and they say something, you go, oh, I really like that that idea or that the way they say that. So then and I, uh, that'll cause a chain reaction in your head sort of and then you start to lyrics sort of of that ilk sort of start to come into your head you know and then you go right and I'll run in from the dishes or whatever and write them down on a piece of paper and then just put them away and not necessarily write a song just leave them there in the vault you know because you might come back to it then two weeks later and go what was I thinking this is yeah. terrible you know but at the same time you might go actually that's that's got something you know and then um then you just pull those out when you need them you know and just try and just Pull pull enough out that they all kind of work together. Yeah, well, you don't. That's what I'm saying. You you might just have you might just have one or two or three lines maximum, and you don't kind of look through the book and then find more lyrics that will fit with that. You literally just write those three lines down, and then kind of then try and expand on okay, those. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? But those are the those are like the catalyst for the rest of the process. So for me, once I get a first line, I wouldn't say it's easy, but once I get a first line, I have something to go on, something to build from, you know. And then you let the music tell you where the melody wants to go or where, you know what I mean? But I suppose the old question, music or lyrics first, it would, it's kind of both at the same time. But if I had to say, it would, the songs tell you what kind of lyrics they want, I think. Okay. You know. Yeah. Um, do you, do you still enjoy it or do you find it like, a slog like getting mm. getting through it all like I mean you say kind of working in 25 minute bursts mm. and then having to go for a cup of tea do you find yeah. like I mean when you're when you're a teenager or something and you're you're thinking about it you just presume that it's all going to be great and you know like mm -hmm. really good fun and stuff but are you, are you surprised by how drained it leaves you 
Absolutely. And to be honest, if I'm perfectly honest, it's the one thing I want to kind of tackle on the next music I do. Because I realized in the last two albums, and especially on this one, because it's a second album, so it's kind of got that pressure around it, you know, um, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it a fun process. I really wouldn't. It was, it caused more stress and, and, and just sort of, sort of, God, I don't want to say too dramatic, but it, it, it's, it can cause a lot of self doubt and, and, and a lot of kind of, there's a sort of a sense of futility about the whole thing sometimes. And it, it, it isn't, it isn't like, this is great fun. There are moments in there where you're like, yes, I've hit the nail on the head here with this. But that doesn't last for very long before you're like, right, now next problem. You know what I mean? It's, it's sort of like a metaphor for life, really, in a way. Like you have those little isolated moments of joy and then they're just fleeting and then you're like, right, back to the slog. You know, and that's kind of what it's like. But my my idea with the next album is to go try and get exactly what you said, try and get back to when music was fun to make. So you have to, first of all, put aside any expectations of you from yourself or from the public or critics or whatever. You just have to go, right, I'm just going to have fun with it and just not over-obsess about it or whatever. Now, I'm not saying that's going to be easy, but that's the aim for the next music. It's just inherently harder though, is it? Just because, I mean, Carry By Waves is you, you did practically everything on the album mm-hmm. you made everything on the album i think that there's just an additional vocal credit and cello mm-hmm. from yeah yeah, yeah. Um, orla travers uh did a little vocal thing on one false move and chris schmidt martin did played the cello line on the um on the track two but apart from that it was just myself and even the one thing we did with orla she was just we were just hanging out having a cup of tea and it was a very early uh version of the song where i was just throwing down ideas and she just sort of we had sort of rough lyrics written down and she just sort of improvised a bunch of stuff and then I just chopped it up and took one line from it, like, you know. But um, I'd say she doesn't even remember doing it, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, that sort of way. But um, but that was fun, you know, that was one of those fun moments on the album. Um, sorry, what was the question again? So it's like... Is it just inherently harder just creating... Just on your own, you mean? On your own, yeah. Uh, no, I don't think that... that I think it's important to have, as I said before, other people to bounce ideas off and other people to try and pull, you know, to sort of just coach you through it in a way. Um, but at the same time, that's not the main reason why it's hard. It's just hard because you're always trying to make music that's as good as the music that you love. And that is hard, you know what I mean? Yeah, because I, I, I sort of... I love music as in, you know, I have since I was a kid and I listen to a lot of different types of music um, from, you know, pop mainstream, some mainstream pop stuff to like pretty experimental underground stuff, you know, because I just love music. And um, when you're listening, when you're making music, you can go, oh yeah, this is great. And then you listen to music that you love and you go, it's just, you know, you just think it doesn't match up yet. So you're constantly pushing for it to to be as good as the stuff that you love. You want to, you want to listen to it and you want to go, um, I would listen to that. I would buy that. I would go to see that. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's what, the, obviously that's a very kind of tough thing to sort of, to do, you know? So that's the main thing I think makes it hard is because you're literally trying to create something special, you know? Are there kind of a certain number of albums which are touchstones for for creating this album? As in like that you would always kind of return to? There is actually a couple um, that were, there was a couple that were sort of 
influential on this album. One of them is um, Twin Shadows Forget. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Really eighties eighties yeah, sound yeah. on that. But I listen to it because I listen to it because of its minimalism, which is funny because my album probably isn't that minimalist. But some of the tracks on that album, like Tyrant Destroyer and all that, are there's not much going on really? really when you when you listen to it. Like you know what I mean? There's only a few instruments. You know, it sounds very uh, bombastic or something. Like yeah. it's very Bruce Springsteen. I find really that that album or that track. I think it's Forget. Yeah, that's the yeah, second yeah, album. Yeah. It's the one it? with Castles in the in the Snow. Yeah, is it Castles? Yeah. Castles in the Sky. Castle, no. Snow, Sky, or Sand. <laughs> 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 but, uh, We've got our bases uh, covered. Yeah, but that, well, I suppose that would be one of the more bombastic kind of ones, as you say. But but the, I drew from it things like textures and or texture ideas and also lyrical phrasings you know and uh stuff like that uh another album would be uh glasser ring uh and then also there was an album by yippa ages ago do you remember them no um which yippa yippa happy backwards oh okay yeah and um i can't remember the name of it but and then there was like a couple of songs here and there like like a bit of M83 and Santa Gold, actually, for some phrasing kind of stuff. But I don't literally go in to go, okay, what can I take from this? Yeah. I just listen to them and I go, oh, I'd like to do something like that. Or, you know, I like that texture. I'd like to, so they could create it. They could put an idea in your head for a texture. And then the song ends up just going in its own direction. But it's good to have those as, again, catalysts um, to push you on. There's probably loads of other albums, yeah. but they just don't. Oh, Toro Imoaz, Anything in Return. Actually, all of his albums, Causes of This as well. Um, that one track by Washed Out, that's the theme tune to... Uh, Portlandia. Feel, feel it all around. I just oh, love man. the vibe on that. But there's a version of it on KEXP, uh, an actual band version with a drum kit and everything. And that particular version, I just love the vocal textures on it. They're smooth kind yeah. of vocal okay. textures. But I'm, I'm not really a big fan of him apart from that song, to yeah. be honest. You know? I, th- I think a lot of people just know him for that song. Yeah, I mean, like... He, I, I think he's a, just released a new album. I think he released a new album in yeah, February or something. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's grand. Like, it's just that song grabbed me way more than anything else that he did, you know. Um, and, you know, there's other albums. But then there's other classic stuff like, uh, you know, Talking Heads. Lots of stuff from Remain in Light, you know. Okay. But you see, they're not really that obvious when you listen to the album, but they're just very subtle influences, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's interesting, though, because just like authors always talk about, you know, a certain number of books which are quite, in, you know, that they would keep by and kind of influence mm. their own work. So I don't, I haven't really thought about, like, you always hear, like, critics ascribe certain sounds to a band's album or something, yeah, yeah. and then the band might be like, no, I don't see that at all. Yeah, yeah. So it's inter- it is interesting to hear... Uh, that happened between me and you, actually, because uh, my because last single, you you said, oh, it kind of, it's a little bit... Um, what was the band again? Death Cab for Cutie, I think, no, was uh, it? Po- but nearly, but... Uh, oh, Postal Service. Postal Service. And the thing is, I go, oh, yeah. And you're not the first person to say that. And the yeah. funny thing is, is, I don't listen to the Postal Service. Right, yeah, but, yeah. you know, but that's fine. You know, that's fine if people get that from it, you know. Um, I can see why they would get it from it, you know. Um, but but it's just funny because some you might be listening to totally different stuff and then a critic hears yeah. different stuff. Like somebody said, God is an astronaut there the other day. Another band I don't listen to. And I was like, really? God is an astronaut? Wow. Post-rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and Would you find it post-rock? I don't <laughs> I've, think I've I never would. thought of it as post-rock. To <laughs> yeah. be and and again, it's not an insult. It's, it's, it's a maybe nice thing, like, you know? Maybe there is like a subtle, like one tiny facet of post-rock yeah, yeah. there. There is, in, in the song Resonation Day, there was a section actually that was quite post-rocky. Um, 
but it was like I remember talking to a friend of mine who was kind of kind of advising me a little bit on look you should do this whatever and I realized that I was trying to wedge a post rock song into a synth pop song which sounds like a good idea but in this case it didn't <laughs> it didn't work it was too much it was like oh look it, you know it was too too self indulgent I suppose so yeah. I cut it out I, I I edited the part down you know so um but maybe that's where it comes from and the last song on the album has like a, just a really slow guitar riff yeah, which yeah. is actually quite post-rock and which i think is class when it yeah. kicks in because it's really different to everything that's yeah, gone and before that song, it. funnily enough right well that song's called p.s hoffman it's just an instrumental track and obviously a, a tribute to philip seymour hoffman but um but you see I, I would never write lyrics based around that i just because it'd be too twee so i just said right little instrumental and call it p.s hoffman but anyway that track probably was the quickest to get done it took like i had the riff for ages and love then, the riff yeah it's a nice little guitar part like but um it's just that guitar and there's another guitar on it you know there's little snippets of sound that come through mm. i was literally sitting here with a vox amp ashley's vox amp actually I was sitting here with it one day just um riffing around and uh, playing that riff while watching a football match and then I just took that and started to slice little sections from it um, and put them randomly in to the song. And then all it did was just increase the reverb on the guitar Yeah, part. I was wondering what was going on a couple of yeah. times. I was like, ah. It's just, yeah, yeah, that. Like, there's just little noises coming in. But but that took oh, all in all, like, a couple of hours to, to get done. And that was pretty much it. And the other songs, you know, so it just goes to show, you know, that's, yeah, the one, that's yeah. one of the ones that stuck out to you. And that's one of the ones that was the least hard to do. Yeah. Because it was enjoyable to do, you know what I mean? Um, I know that we've talked before uh, about, like, is Carry By Waves kind of a band or is it just kind of a solo project? Mm. I think you said before that it can it can be either, yeah, depending yeah. on the situation. So, like, when you're creating the album, do you have that in mind? Like, I want to be able to play all this with a band. And I know you actually did. Mm -hmm. I was there when mm -hmm. you uh, play, you kind of performed it at the Cork School of Music back yeah, in November. November, I think. yeah, yeah, that was... Um that was really, well, it was partially stressful and partially really fun. Um, I did kind of... Fun when it was over. Yeah, well, <laughs> the start of it was just a bit nerve-wracking, you know, but it was, uh, but I think it, it, it turned out okay in the end, you know, and it wasn't bad for a first lash at it, you know, because I'd only been working with those musicians for three rehearsals or something. We did individual one-on-one -on -one rehearsals, but as a band, we only played together like three or four times before that. But they're all great musicians, like, I mean, especially, well, not especially, but the, <laughs> the, the drummer, Eduardo, was in my class, in, in my master's class in college, and he's just absolutely incredible drummer, and Alan Pentony is just, like, out of this world bass player. And um, so I just sent them kind of files and they learned them. But um, it was great to hear them played with a band, to hear those songs played with a band, and quite accurately represented as well, you know. Um, so I think I'd love to do more of that, but... At the same time, I'd still like to have it in such a way that you could do it on your own because just for logistics, you know, kind of like if I if people can't do it, you know what I mean? Getting have, five people together. Yeah, getting five people together who have very busy schedules. Like, you know what I mean? Those guys all play in, like Alan plays in like four bands or something like that. And um, he's constantly gigging and and uh, and then people have just got work and college and things like this. So it, I have to find a way to be able to do it on my own. You know, that's still interesting. And that can be really tricky. It can be trickier with this album more so than the last album because the last album was kind of more choppy and experimental. Um, so you could kind of play with the songs live and do them differently. Whereas you can't really do that with this album. It's sort of 
they're well I don't think so they're, they're verse chorus you know songs okay. so I don't know I, I talked a while ago about doing a, an unplugged like an acoustic kind of version of it which I thought might be fun um, how do you do, how would you do it acoustic? Like literally just acoustic guitar? Well, no, not just me. Because say, for instance, like an acoustic guitar and then maybe like a little synth. Um, so, I mean, it's not totally <laughs> unplugged, but you know what I mean? To have somebody play a little... An unplugged synth. As a, yeah. Beep-bop-boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know what I mean? A little Casio synth or something like that. And um, and then some some light percussion and bass or something like that, you know? And an acoustic guitar. And vocal effects, something like that, you know, um, and just reinterpret the songs in a way, because um, it would be something you could do, you know, sitting around in a living room with four people. And um, I'm not, I'm not one of these people who I used to be like, oh, you have to have the song exactly as it is on the album, you know what I mean, when you mm. play live. But more and more bands aren't doing that anymore. They're just doing. They've got their the way it sounds on the album, and then they've got the way it sounds live. Like a good example, I think. I remember TV on the radio, one of their songs, I um, can't remember what it's called, Wolf, is it Wolf Like Me? You know that one? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, it's a really good song anyway, but on the uh, they did it on Letterman and it was just like pure rock kind of guitar, blasting guitars and drums and stuff. And on the album, it's more kind of synthetic, you know, and I thought that was great and there was two different versions of it, you know, and I think... Uh, so it doesn't matter as long as you do a good version of the song. It's like you're covering the song when you do it live. So, but anyway, I don't really know what I'm going to do as regards moving forward with live shows yet. Don't have anything lined up. There was talk of something in June, but nothing's confirmed yet. Um, and uh, I'm not. It's not not totally at the front of my mind at the moment um, because I've got other stuff that I have to do. I'd like to do a few gigs, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go crazy with it. Do you enjoy playing? <laughs> do you enjoy playing live? Oh, you're asking these. You're asking these questions that are like, yeah, like not, not going to get your typical answers. Put it that way. No, I don't. I've been saying this a lot lately, and it's it's probably a very bad thing to say, but I was thinking about it recently. It's like I don't particularly enjoy playing live. Like the because uh, I don't know if people are going to turn up. I don't want to have to promote the show sort yeah. of thing myself. Well, there's there's that stress as well, like of of. You put a lot of effort in, and 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 sometimes it doesn't pay off. Some when it does, it's brilliant. Like you know what I mean. Like we played up at Hard Working Class Heroes there a couple of years ago, and it was the best one that I'd done because I'd done a few of them, and I had myself and a couple of friends playing, and it was packed, and just the atmosphere was great, and it went down really well. But then you know those are those are kind of few and far between, you know, in a way. But but that's not the re- main reason why it's stressful. It's just you want to do the songs justice, and sometimes just the worry of not that not happening is what makes it kind of t- kind of not the most enjoyable experience. Like when you're there and it's going well, it's great. But the build up and aftermath is not so great. <laughs> you know, the aftermath. Kind of, well, I mean, just simple little things like where are we going to put our gear? <laughs> you know oh, I mean? like, okay, right, yeah. If you're at a festival in the middle of a field and you say, have you got somewhere safe we can put our gear? Oh, yeah, we do. And they pull back a flap and go, you can leave it behind here. You know? And you're like, <laughs> and you're this like, equipment like, is expensive. Yeah, I'm not going to put my stuff there. Like uh, Things like that, but also um, just the kind of, it's got a kind of an anticlimax kind of feel to it. You know, you finish a gig and then it's like... You just pack everything up and go home. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm painting a very grim picture. Of it, but. <laughs> but I much prefer, like when I was when I was playing with partisan crowds uh, as a bass player, I loved that because you just turn up with your pedals and your bass and you just 
rock out for half an hour and then put your bass in his case and have a pint and go home. It's great. Um, there's just a lot of technical things with, with Caribou Wave stuff playing live. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of, when you have a lot of moving parts, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So it's a bit stressful in that way, you know. Yeah. But I have had gigs where I've had a great time, though, as well, you know. That's good. You know. <laughs> good that there are good things there. The one I did for you guys where we play here, that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. In... In the TDC. Oh, right, cool. I really enjoyed that gig. That was really fun. Cool. Um, two and a half years ago now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a while back. Um, let's talk a little bit about partisan crowds. Are they still a going concern or have you... Um, I'd still play with them. The lads are kind of just sort of on hiatus for the moment, but we were talking recently about doing... Um, doing more gigs but again trying to do it just in a fun way just to have it fun be fun and not stress out too much about it you know because it's it's i really enjoy i think oshin's a great songwriter and with a really unique style he was playing me some stuff he was working on the other day and i was like this is just brilliant you should it's, put this out like, it's just kind of like a, a kind of more traditional rock band sort of thing is it well drum, when we, when we play live bass? it's i suppose you could argue that but the stuff that that Ushin's recording himself at home is like off the wall some of it like yeah. some of the sounds and stuff they're just brilliant like you know what i mean Who, who's Ushin? Ushin? Ushin's the singer song the singer and main songwriter in the band well, he is the songwriter yeah. <laughs> um Ushin Deneen. so it's Ushin and uh his brother ronan on drums and then myself so two Ronans, but uh, you know it's a real fun band playing. His songs are really kind of like, you know, kind of weird and wonky, and you know I really like that. You know, they've got a real kind of unique quality to them. You know, yeah. Uh, so they're they're a lot of fun to play, and uh, I I I've been pushing it. I've been pushing for for to play again and do gigs. So I'm hoping that we will do a few. You know. So, like, Softly Held Together is almost four years, well, I presume it is more than four years old in terms of, but actually released in July 2012. How do you uh, feel about it now? Have you listened to it at mm. all recently, or do you think kind of... Yeah, I listened to it there a while ago, and I actually had that funny thing where, you know the way, when you get a bit of distance from something, you can see it more clearly, and I was actually like, oh yeah, I kind of like this, you know. Was, and then I, so then that gives way to the feeling of, actually, I think I like this more than the new album. <laughs> so then you're like, what have I done? I've wasted three years making an album that isn't as good as my first album. But I just think one of the things I'm really happy with between the two albums is they have a similar thread running to them stylistically, I think, but they're different enough to be a progression. There's definitely, I took a certain approach and I think that worked to make it different. I mean, they're not you know it's not like they're nine day or anything like that but um you know you make a few key decisions like one was push the lyrics forward and write song pop songs essentially and be less sort of choppy and glitchy and experimental you know well you can be experimental but not too experimental if you know what i mean um and i did that and i think that worked it was it was it was hooks it had to be hooks 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 with this new <laughs> album it had to be songs start and there's a melody that can stick in somebody's head yeah you know so and like you kind of alluded to it earlier, kind of the the cliche of the difficult second album. Yeah. Were you kind of surprised that so much of, you know, like a cliche is a cliche for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Like you kind of surprised by how difficult you found it. Yeah, I suppose. Because, yeah, as you say, a cliche, a cliches are cliches because they're true, you know. True, yeah. <laughs> um, I started out with the, with the very clear idea of 
I'm not going to fall into that cliche. I'm just going to roll this album out and have fun. And yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> and it just doesn't work that way. You've just always got that. And I think every probably writers, painters, whatever, they all feel this way. Like you're only as good as the last thing you did in a way. And is it know? because you think like, oh, this is crap compared to what I did? Like, you know, it was so much better the first time around sort of thing. Or... Uh, how do you mean? Like the... Uh... Just even just like a riff that you come up with on guitar, you're kind of like, oh, I've come up with better riffs or something um, like that. You kind of... Yeah, I suppose there's that self-doubt of, of of writing a piece and you think it's great. And then after a few months, you're like, what was it? You know, I don't know what it is. It's very hard to put your finger on, but it's it's. I think it all comes down to just being human, being kind of just feeling this this pressure. And um, especially there was a few nice things said about the first album and it got a bit of attention. And then there's certain people that were like, oh, looking forward to hearing the new one, you know? And then you're like, oh, I don't want to... <laughs> hope they don't go, what has he done? You know what I mean? You don't <laughs> yeah, want yeah. to... Like, what was he thinking, yeah. you know? So, so you just... That's a pressure, you know what I mean? And... Uh, and you try, and much as you try and make it not pressure, it just is. Like, you can't get away from it. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's nice to go, to be able to stand behind it and go, it's a progression, but it's still me, and it's, I'm proud of it, you know. And so, like, you went back to college mm -hmm. as well, like, kind of in, in the interim. Was it, yeah. Is it kind of like you're looking for distractions from your own music, or is it just kind of you wanted to learn more about well, about something basically um it's a music it's, course it's hard, that you're doing yeah it's music technology masters uh in school of music um it was kind of like i i had been doing i've been getting better at production and, and mixing and stuff like that like obviously you know you're always learning and you're always getting better but i was kind of getting pretty pretty okay with it you know and different people started to come to me to do little recordings for them and stuff like that and and uh, they seemed to be going down well people were like so i thought I don't know, I thought I wanted to have some sort of qualification that to say like, well, actually, I'm qualified to, to do this, not necessarily to become, uh, you know, a full time recording engineer or something like that. I mean, if that happened, great, but um, but just to, to open up more career paths in some way, you know what I mean, that were audio related or music related, because there's lots of different things you could do from from a degree like that. But the, I suppose the main thing was to to just that sort of realization that, you know, it's hard to make a living just as a musician. So I better get some sort of proper qualification under my belt, you know. And uh, I don't know, it just, I just, I, I enjoy it. And uh, I've learned a lot through it, a lot of new things that have kind of fed into my own music as well and stuff. And um, it is a bit of a distraction, I suppose, as well, you know. But yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you releasing the new album physically or is it kind of just going to be a digital It'll just be digital because release? I just just haven't got the money to, no, to nobody it. Nobody buys CDs anymore. Sort of nobody buys. I don't particularly like CDs. I yeah. never have really, you know. And uh, I'd love to do vinyl or something like that, but I just don't have, uh, just don't have the resources to do it at the moment. But um, I think that's okay though, you know, most people, a lot of people still listen to just mp3s or wav files or whatever, you know. Even though they probably don't like to admit it either. They, they probably can. don't like to admit it exactly, <laughs> they're like, no, I only listen to vinyl. I was like, nah, you don't. <laughs> 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 uh, 
you know. Um, and I guess kind of the f- one of the final things I guess I'll ask you is, is not related to Carry By Waves. I was saying before we started that um, uh, you're the first guest like since it was revealed or since it was announced mm. that Prince had mm. died last week and you're saying you're a big fan. Mm, yeah. how is, how's he, I mean, how gutted were you when you heard the news and like how big an influence has he been on you like throughout um, your life, I guess? Well, I suppose just to, as regards the influence thing, um, when I was since I was a kid, like since as far back as I can remember, Prince in our house, like I had two brothers and two sisters, and my two my older sister and my older brother loved Prince. You know, it was funny because my sister was like um, sort of the more pop music kind of like you know she liked pop and disco and stuff like that. So she liked like Shalimar and Prince and Michael Jackson, and all that kind of stuff. And then my brother was kind of more alternative kind of indie music and you know all that kind of stuff but he loved Prince as well so Prince was just played all around us when we were growing up and it's the one one of the one bands that everybody in the family loves Prince like everyone and, has um, a different favorite album as well um I'd say Purple Rain's probably one of the leading ones it wouldn't I, I, it's one of my favorites but I also like Sign of the Times and Around the World in a Day is a great album as well you know he's got tons tons of great stuff like but um when I found out about it, uh, yeah, I was I literally, I saw the thing come up and I thought it was a Waterford Whisperer article or something like that. I was like, okay, this has to be a joke. Like, this can't be true. Like, you know, and it was weird because I was just talking to my brother about him on Facebook that we were just chatting and I made some joke about Prince and then we started talking about Prince for ages and we always have this kind of running joke that he's not human, you know, he's not from this planet. He was like, landed, him and Bowie, like kind of thing, you know, Um just landed and and they're not actually from here and whatever and then the next day there was a concert on or somebody put up a, one of his early concerts on on facebook and i said to myself i said that's weird you know i messaged my friend i said i was just watching this last night he's like yeah it's great isn't it and then a few hours later the news broke and i was like it's crazy because i hadn't thought of him in a long time but i was genuinely I just think it's terrible. Like, it's just like 57. Like, I mean, that's just ridiculous. And you can't, you do kind of go like, what the hell is going on? You know what I mean? Like so many good artists dying yeah. way before time, even to go back to, you know, the 27 club, obviously. And then, uh, Jeff Buckley and, you know, um, who else have we got? Like Cobain, obviously Cobain, he's in the 27 club, but, um, Bowie, even though Bowie was older, he still seemed like he had a lot to offer, you know what I mean? And Prince definitely had a lot to oh, offer. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know, I, like I was watching a bunch of stuff, like videos and tributes and things like that, and it was kind of, it, it was a shock, and it doesn't really, I don't know, It's I feel kind of silly talking about it, because you know the way people are like, oh, you didn't know the person, you know, what the hell does it matter to you? But it does in a way, because this is somebody who was a huge part of your life when you were growing up, you know what I mean? And it sort of makes you think of your own mortality as well because they're certain sort of untouchable and, 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 and sort of on another level and all of a sudden you realise they're very, very human. You know if he mean? can die. If he can we die, can all we die. can all die. Yeah. But also like, that's, a friend of mine said it to me the other day, he said like, something's taken away from your life that was part of it for such a long time that you like danced at parties to and, you know, talked about and joked about and all these kind of things. And, that's a passage of time and that's gone and it's never going to be there anymore and it's just really really weird that somebody is somebody is with such vitality and talent and just constantly working and releasing music and being amazing it's just 
gone. Yeah. It's just weird, like, you know. But, <clears throat> but, um, did you ever see him live? I didn't, which no. I'm really mad about. I know, about. yeah. My sister did, um, years ago, and a few friends of mine did a few years ago. I think, I don't know. I kind of really regret it now. I didn't go to that gig when he was here, and I kind of go on. Cause he, because of that, you thought, oh, sure, he'll be around for ages. Yeah. He ain't going anywhere. Like, because you know I mean? there are these kind of artists who you kind of want to tick, you yeah, know, yeah. to have seen live. Like, I remember going to, I think it was uh, Clapton a couple yeah. of years ago and paying ridiculous money just because, well, I should probably go and yeah, say yeah. that I've seen Eric Clapton. And it was a terrible gig. Like, I wish was I didn't it? go. Yeah, 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 I hated it. Um, I feel that way a bit about Tom Waits. Um, I've seen most of the people who I can, get, you know, see. Like, I've seen Morrissey and. All you know, Johnny Marr, a lot of artists that I've always wanted to see, like I saw Kraftwerk and stuff like that. But then, Kraftwerk aren't exactly the original. Lineup so it's anymore. only like one guy, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. But that's, uh, ha- that's happening a lot lately. Actually. They're they're actually still really really good. Yeah, lives, they're still so they're, 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 they're still kind of unreal. Track. But yeah, but, Prince would have been uh, another yeah, level. Prince would have been would have been one of those ones that would have been nice to tick off the list. Um, but unfortunately, it'll never be. Now it's just really sad. But um. It it I think it's it's more of a shock because because not just because he was only fifty seven but because as I say he was so full of life you know what yeah. I mean he was so full of life and he just seems indestructible I know that seems like a naive way of thinking about it but he did seem indestructible like and the fact like he didn't really age at all no he, he didn't looks, age he that's looks what as saying, good like, now as he did back when yeah, he yeah. That's like, the came thing. on the scene that's in the, the thing we were um, we were talking about how that's the thing of like he can't be human it's like he doesn't look any different he doesn't <laughs> his voice hasn't deteriorated his guitar skills haven't deteriorated oh, you saw you know? I presume that you saw the just the video that was going around of him playing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame back in 2000 was that the thing where they did the tribute to George Harrison uh, yeah they played when my guitar yeah, gently yeah. Oh, weeps and like it's a three minute solo oh, by yeah, Prince and it's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I've been watching that for a few years actually. That's been a uh, a regular staple at at parties. You know, four in the morning is like, have you ever seen this? You know, it's like this is going <laughs> to blow your mind. My favorite part of that is whenever, like, first of all, he comes out and he just leaves them for dust. Like he just just because there's a couple of when, guitar when he solos. starts playing the yeah, solo there's at a the couple start. of guitar solos at the start. I think some somebody else does a guitar solo, and it's okay. You know, it's grand. Like, but then he comes on. He's just on the stage all of a sudden again. Like he just magically appears on the stage. And it's just mind blowing. Like it's absolutely the, the the swagger and the apart from the technicality of what he's playing, just the swagger and the effortlessness and the flow effortlessness, of it. Yeah. You know, and then at the end, do you see what happens at the end when he takes the guitar off and he just throws it up in the air and it doesn't come down again. <laughs> it, it doesn't. Watch it next time. He takes it off, throws it up, and just walks away, <laughs> like just like a mic drop, you know. But the guitar, he flings it up in the air and it just keeps going like, as in somebody's obviously got it on strings or something <laughs> like that but it's just it's typical him like typical showman Prince, yeah. in every every sense of the word you know um we were watching this video yesterday actually uh, of him playing at the mtv awards in the early 90s i think and we were in stitches watching it because it was just ridiculous like it was like he was there with the guitar doing a guitar solo while sliding down and doing the splits and back up and spinning around like the full splits and everything and the guitar was sounded perfect, <laughs> like not one note out of place. Just like, I mean, words can't go describe how brilliant he was. Yeah, like, man, I feel bad about not seeing him live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, okay, on, on that rather sad note, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for Thank the you. chats. Really, really interesting and. 
best of luck with the album Resolute. Resolute. Resolute, yeah. which is it's on Spotify, it's on Bandcamp, yeah. carriedbywaves.bandcamp.com. Yeah, it's on Bandcamp, it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's on pretty much every leading digital store you can think of. It's there. So plenty of places to get it if you want it, you know. Yeah, and live dates maybe to come, depending yeah, on yeah. <laughs> depending there will on be how some. you feel. There'll be some at some stage, but um, keep an eye on the I suppose, Facebook and all those places for that kind of stuff. Cool. Um, and yeah, thanks a lot for talking. Thank Best of luck with it all. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back uh, in the next week or two. Bye.